Welcome to the High Vibe Tribe podcast with me, your host, Dawn Owen. I'm a wife, a mom, and an entrepreneur, a speaker, a zero BS coach, and a lover of the high vibe life. I help business leaders like you create huge breakthroughs in their life and business so that you can achieve the freedom and impact you want and deserve. In this podcast, you will hear me talk all about mindset, money, and magic. The power trio that I know will get you where you want to go fast. This is the High Vibe Tribe podcast. So let's get to it and introduce my guest for today. So she's a consultant medical herbalist. I've had to read that. And if, like me, you're totally ignorant about what that means, then you definitely need to listen to this episode. So she can help you get back in control of your menopause symptoms using herbal medicine, health coaching, and advanced hypnotherapy. It's Hannah Charman. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me today. You're welcome. So before we get into all this juicy stuff here, I've got so many questions. I feel very much like Stephen Bartlett today because (laughs) he always says he gets to educate himself via his guests. And I definitely feel that I'm quite ignorant around a lot of this topic. So we'll get into all of that in a minute. But I always start the podcast by asking my guests, how high is your vibe today right now on a scale of one to ten and why? 11, I think. I'm, 11, 11. I'm on an 11 because I've had a bit of an epiphany earlier on. Oh, share. Um, to be honest, I've been, like a lot of people, I think at the moment, it's a bit tough out there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I've been like, oh, what do I do? Normally, I'm very decisive and I'm like, right, this isn't working. Let's try that. Oh, that's not working. Let's do this. And that hasn't been me for about the last 18 months. And I've been like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't know what to do at all. <laughs> and so many women I've been talking to have gone, yeah, that's me as well. I, I, haven't, I haven't done a thing. But I've had a bit of an epiphany this morning because I was thinking, do you know what? The menopause marketplace since Davina, bless her, mm. did her program has become so noisy. And yeah. it's become very difficult to get heard above the noise, even mm-hmm. though I was there like long before Davina came to town. Yes. And so it's hard to kind of, get out there and reach the people that I want to reach but what I was thinking was to niche down a little bit more into supporting people who've had cancer and then gone through menopause so people who've had things like breast cancer cervical cancer ovarian uterine can't take HRT Uh and I've just started work with a new lady last week who's had breast cancer 10 years ago and is now really struggling with menopause can't take HRT and what she said was where were you 10 years ago? Why did I not know about you then? And I'm like, oh, yeah. yes. Wow. Yeah. That is an epiphany. And I love that. So um, much easier now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they say, you know, they're niching gurus, don't they? They're, the more niche you can be. And yeah. you know, the sad fact is, and I'm one of them, there are a lot of women of the menopause age who have mm. had cancer as well. So, yeah. you know, I think that is a great niche that can really help a lot of people who will be struggling in a different way 
you know yeah, than, than exactly. the, the general general population of women I did write down that phrase when Davina came to town it's like a book she has done, she's done us a lot of good hasn't she she's done womankind yeah. a lot of good and raised a lot of awareness but yeah, yeah it's just become a massive cash cow now menopause yeah you know. and I'll digress slightly here only away from your story which you'll come back to but I think certainly up till that point and those of us of a certain age will definitely menopause was whispered and mouthed mm. by your nan and possibly yeah. your mom as well and when Davina came to town I have to say that was my first experience of like people talking about it out loud mm. and you're right it is the latest thing and yeah my opinion controversial you know me I like to be controversial I feel there's a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon without any real well in fact without any expertise or knowledge they're just going I'm a woman who is perimenopause been in menopause and now I'm going to start shouting from the rooftops about this and now I'm the menopause coach for this or that or the other and it's interesting because I heard you say on one of your other podcasts about you know I could call myself a medical herbalist tomorrow. There is no, and it's the same with coaching. Totally. Anyone can call themselves that and regularly do. And mm. I find it super frustrating because whilst you can coach around different things, you know, it, you kind of, you don't want to get lumped in with that whole, you know, culture of like, oh, I'm just calling myself this because it's the trendy thing to call at the moment. So well, people don't realize it's actually a really big responsibility as well, coaching someone yeah. else completely really need to know what you're doing yeah yeah Um, because you know well not least because you're being paid to get them the result that they think you know that that they want so okay love that love the 11 love the epiphany I'm all in with that let me go back now I want to ask you what I think is the really big question so what in layman's terms is a medical herbalist first of all we are Britain's best kept secret sadly but a medical herbalist in the true sense of the word is a herbalist who has got some medical training behind them okay so like you said anyone could go out and call themselves medical herbalist with no training no insurance no nothing but true medical herbalists have trained for three to five years at least wow to become medical herbalists so we're trained actually to a similar level as a gp Mm -hmm. and a lot of our foundation training is the same as a GP would have but obviously where the GPs go and learn about mainstream stuff and drugs and how to treat symptoms we learn about plant medicines and how to treat the underlying causes of people's illness and the whole person with the plant. Oh and I love that because when you said there the underlying stuff you know Mm. and I think that's uh, I think in coaching as well for me the kind of coaching I don't want to treat the surface level you know let's dive in let's tear shit yeah. up and find out what the underlying thing is or the symptoms are just going to keep coming back aren't they exactly yeah you know? it's so, exactly yeah. the same principle okay so two questions following on from that so I must admit before I heard you explaining this I assumed it was I can never say this word probably homeo- homeopathy is that how you say it homeopathy yeah Which not is it it's different to that it is different to that so the both homeopaths and herbalists will aim to treat the whole person and the causes of the illness Mm -hmm. but the way we do it is quite different so with homeopathy it's purely energetic Mm -hmm. so it's mostly 
I'm not being derogatory because I'm a big fan of homeopathy, actually, yeah. but it's sugar pills and water and it's very dilute medicine they use nice. to treat illness. But also those medicines are made from plants, animals and minerals as well. So it's okay. not vegan or ne- right, it's okay. not necessarily vegan for those yeah. people who thought it was. With herbal medicine, it's different because it does work on the energetic level, but it also works on the physical level. So you can take a herbal extract, you can put it in a lab, analyze it and understand a bit more about how that herb is working in the body, what it's actually doing. Okay, I've got one more question just to really nail on the definition. So you mentioned there about plant medicine mm-hmm. and my only, uh, I was going to say experience, so I've never experienced it myself, but a lot of people that I follow and in, you know, some of the worlds that I mean, they talk about plant medicine when they're talking about ayahuasca ceremonies and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I know that's not what you do. So what is the difference there between the two? How do you make the distinction? So herbal medicine as a practice is a very broad church. So Mm -hmm. one end of the spectrum, we've got the very sciencey kind of herbalists. And at the other end, we've got the more esoteric, magical kind of herbalists. And I like to think of myself as being somewhere halfway between the two. Okay. So the ayahuasca and the ceremonies that they use with ayahuasca, where they go off into other worlds and um, journeying and all of that kind of stuff, certainly does have its place. But that's the more esoteric end of herbal medicine. Right. Um, as opposed to the more medical end of herbalism. So, okay. yeah, there's definitely a place for both. And it's I went to a festival in the summer called the Power of Plants Festival, and I ended up gate crashing a workshop, which was more along those lines where okay. we were we were basically all given a, a piece of herb to hold, but we had our eyes closed and you had to cup your other hand over the top. So you had no idea what this herb was. Mm-hmm. And then you had to close your eyes and try and pick up impressions from the herb as to who it was and what it did. And there were 60 of us in this workshop and we all got the same answers. <gasps> wow. So, and that oh. for me was quite mind blowing because that's yeah. a whole other aspect of herbal medicine, which is the one you're talking about, the more yeah. magical esoteric side yeah. that I had never really bothered with before. But it, it was fascinating and it's something I'd like to explore a bit more. Was that in the UK, the, the festival? Yeah. yeah, it's only the second time it's been run. So it's run by the National Institute of Medical Herbalists that I belong to. Okay. And it's for anyone who's interested in plants and yeah. plant medicine. So, mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah okay. So loads of information there already. Mm-hmm. So before we kind of go on forward from where you are now, I'd love to go backwards because it's really interesting to me. So I know some of your backstory, which I'd like to share with the listeners. But I often say when I ask people this question about, you know, what's your backstory? Because it's really easy to think that we meet someone at, you know, 40 odd years of age and they're formed as that person. But actually for you, that's almost true because you have been around this kind of sector, this industry for a long time. So mm-hmm. can you take us all the way back? Tell us a bit of your story, what brought you into this and how young you were and what your journey's been kind of up to now yeah so I was always wanting to be a vet when I was little and I loved school and I studied really hard at school because I wanted to get into vet school and I knew that was quite difficult so I pushed myself really hard academically and then I also had a different hobby every night of the week and on the weekends so my dad picked me up from school one day yeah so he picked me up from school one day I got into the car perfectly fine and got out the car well I didn't get out of the car the other end I couldn't move I just got ill within five minutes and that was the start of two years with chronic fatigue syndrome so my dad took me to the doctor after about two or three weeks when they realized it wasn't just a cold or a flu 
-hmm. And he had to hold me up to get me into the surgery. And his doctor took one look at me and he said, she's clearly got a problem with school. You need to get her to an educational psychologist. Oh, no. And he looked at me and said, you just need to pull yourself together and get back to school. That was it. Wow. And when was this roughly time-wise? When I was 14, so 32 years ago. Oh, okay. I mean, you'd like to think it's a lot different now and the knowledge and the understanding around that kind of thing is more. Yeah. And, you know, what a terrible thing to go through when you've already got something going on and then you're kind of having a door slammed in your face as well. Yeah, it it was not good. And it's actually quite frightening when you're, you're fine one minute, then you're really sick and you don't know why and you just want to be at school with your friends. And then someone says, oh, actually, you're just making all of this up yeah you're oh, just malingering yeah, yeah. that's really <laughs> scary because you're like no one's gonna no, help me here. yeah so luckily I got taken to see some other alternative practitioners um so there was a homeopathic doctor and then another homeopath and a hypnotherapist and and my parents were so impressed with the hypnotherapy that they both quit their jobs and trained as hypnotherapists themselves wow yeah so my dad came out of the police and my mum came out of teaching and they set up a hypnotherapy practice from home and wow. okay. yeah which was really successful actually for quite a few years. And then we started getting Reiki patients in as well. My dad and I took a Reiki course together, which was what saw off the last of my chronic fatigue. Um, And so I would be the extra pair of hands after school doing the Reiki treatments from when I was about 16. So I've been sort of interested in learning about all, all kinds of alternative medicine since I was about 16. And then I went on to study at Middlesex University when I was 18 to get my degree in Western Herbal Medicine. And I qualified in 1999, which is a very long time ago now. And I just, I still love my job, yeah. probably even more than I did when I first qualified. It's really fascinating. It's changed a lot, but it's it's really brilliant. I love it. Yeah. What, so what an incredible journey. And I think I just pick up on there the fact that your parents kind of ditched their jobs, but also not just any jobs like teacher and policeman, two yeah. things that in my experience would be the furthest from, you know, yeah. a belief in hypnotherapy and absolutely. stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, it is. Wow, incredible. So then you went to uni and you did the, and I noticed there you said Western Herbal med- Medicine, because I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing that I thought before we chatted is like like Chinese herbal medicine, but are they very different things? Yeah, so the, we're still both making medicine out of plants, but the mm-hmm. system that the Chinese herbalists use is a world apart from what we use in the West. Right. So the Western tradition stems from the Middle East and Eastern Europe. And the Asian traditions are very much embedded in their own culture. So, you know, we have Ayurveda from India and we have traditional Chinese medicine and Kampo from Japan. But they've had thousands of years of unbroken tradition of being used. Whereas over here in the Middle Ages, there was a bit of a problem because we had the witch burnings and a lot of the witches. It's appropriate talking about witches on Halloween. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Um, (laughs) So the so-called witches were often wise women or herbalists. Yeah. And yeah, so I don't think we've ever really recovered from that, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, my God. You could have been burnt at the stake if we were a few hundred yeah. years earlier. Exactly. Yeah. OK, so really young when you got into this, obviously, it cured up your symptoms from your chronic fatigue syndrome. And then you've gone along, obviously. Did you make that your own business then straight away or did you like do anything else along the way? I did go straight into practice. So I worked for a year doing, I had to do another job to kind of pay my way whilst I was getting going. So I originally did market research and worked my practice around that. And then I went traveling for a year around Australia and New Zealand. 
mm-hmm. because I wanted to get that out of my system before I really settled down and got grown up and yeah. <laughs> sensible stuff that you have to do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, so I've been in practice in some form or another ever since, but a lot of that was part-time around my full-time job because I didn't have a clue how to actually make a living at herbal medicine. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time to figure that out. So I eventually got bullied out of my full-time job in 2012, um, which was really hard and really horrible, but actually was probably a blessing at the same time because I'd probably still be there now enjoying my regular salary and my trips to the US. And um, it's a hot, I mean, you said there about to figure out how to, you know, run a business. We are all very good at the thing that we do. And then we go into business for ourselves and it's like, oh my God, what is this? Accounting, marketing, yeah. all that. I just want to do what I want to do. But, you know, mm. you've got all of this other stuff behind you. And I think what you said there about leaving your job in 2012 and it would be a blessing in disguise. You know, I've literally just been speaking to someone who is in a full-time job and doing their, I don't like the word side hustle, but they're building something on the side. Mm. And, you know, the question was, well, when are you going to make that transition? And, you know, there is fear, obviously, around losing that salary. And also that can be a big driver for people as well. But I think figuring out all the other stuff that goes with doing your thing, whatever that is, is one of the worst things about being in business for yourself. Yeah, Yeah, that's the scariest bit is the the making the leap out of full-time employment or even part-time employment and that regular income to who knows what. Yeah, and I probably hand on heart, I probably wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been forced. Yeah, but once I think you I would have done it, it, maybe just not at that time because maybe you've got. Such but a I mean, passion. let's remember, I'd already been sort of doing this for nearly twenty years, working full time. Yeah, I suppose, and just never finding that moment where it was right to do it. But I didn't have any support. I was doing everything by myself, so I was mm-hmm. paying my own mortgage, my own bills, and right. I was being emergency taxed which is really helpful oh, when you're yeah, running a business. And, it's not encouraging you know, at all, is it really? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't really until I met my partner that mm. I felt, you know, it just kind of worked out yeah. that I vowed I was never, ever going to work for anyone else and get myself into that position again. Yeah. But also I had his support and I wouldn't have been able to do it without him. So fabulous. it's just how it's all worked out, really. Yeah. So is that about the time then that you started to focus on menopause or had you already been doing that before that? That came a bit later and it happened quite by accident, actually. So I had my son when I was 38 and around about his fifth birthday, I was pondering to myself when the baby brain was going to go because it just wasn't going and then I thought well I won't still be baby brain he's five and I realized it wasn't I realized I was in perimenopause and I probably have been since I'd had him yeah so my mum when she went through menopause was very ill and had to go into hospital and I didn't realize until relatively recently that it was menopause that had done that so I thought I don't want to go down the same path as my mum I better start taking my herbs because there were moments and I think probably a lot of us can relate where you think you've lost it you know you think you've completely lost the plot and it sometimes it can be really frightening because it comes from nowhere you find one second and then the next minute you're flying off the handle yeah and you've completely lost control of yourself and that was starting to happen. So I went on to my herbs and I've been on the herbs ever since, although at a very low dose. And then because I've got friends of similar age, so they were coming for herbs and then they were sending their friends and it kind of grew from there really. But it's it's a very rewarding 
area to work in because there are so many women who can't take HRT or don't want to and herbs can offer a lot for those ladies so yeah we get really good results with that. I think it's really interesting I think because I had my cancer treatment quite early on you know I was told all that will put you into early menopause but I think when I was recovering I probably did experience some of the symptoms but I just put it down to kind of the aftermath of chemotherapy and stuff like that Mm. so I consider myself quite lucky in some regards in that way but definitely the baby brain thing that you took the brain fog it was so the when Davina came to town I didn't take a lot of notice because I'm like I don't need to know you know I'm, yeah. I'm kind of done and it wasn't until I just remember the day we had some friends around for a brunch after we'd had the lockdown and we were allowed to kind of circulate a little bit and there were uh, four of us ladies and they were all talking about this thing because I, I just thought I, I kept saying to my husband, I, th- I really think there's something wrong with me. I'll just have like this black hole where I'm doing a sentence and the word for, you know, glass has just yeah. gone out of my head. Yeah. And I was getting really worried, thinking it was going to be something, you know, really onerous. And hmm. they just talk, talking about it. I think it was when the Davina thing had been on. And I was like, oh, my God, it must be that because my body must still be going through some yeah. of the things because it was artificially, you know, born mm-hmm. so early. Do you think that's one of the key symptoms now that people seem to notice? And what are the other kind of key ones that maybe for perimenopause? Because it's it. what is the sort of age and what are the symptoms that you might be experiencing and maybe not even realise that it is perimenopause? Yeah, I mean, perimenopause can actually happen at any age. In very rare cases, it happens to ladies in their late teens or early 20s. But typically, it's sort of round about 40 to 55. So round about 40, you should be starting to enter perimenopause. And then round about 50, usually, or you're done and through it. Obviously, everyone's different. But there, there are quite definite phases that we go through. So the first symptoms tend to be more mental. So it's anxiety. And often you'll find women saying things like, I don't know why I'm anxious about night driving or going to my French class or whatever. I've never had anxiety before in my life. This is not me. And it's because the hormone changes are starting to come in and interfere with their mental health. And then as you move through, you get the more physical symptoms. So the things like the hot flushes and the fatigue, which are the ones we know about most, that tends to be later on in the process or towards the end of perimenopause as you enter menopause. But I mean, there are so many symptoms now that are Mm. you know, linked to menopause, but there's also really weird ones that you can't Google because there's not really a word for it, but it's things like losing yourself, you know, losing your mojo. I lost myself for 10 months. Yeah. And, but you try putting into Google, lost myself. Yes. Or you try talking to a manager at work and saying, you know, okay, I'm not depressed. I'm not having mood swings. I don't have brain fog. I'm perfectly sharp, but I have, I've completely lost myself. I don't know who I am. I can't relate to anyone which would definitely be impacting on your performance at work. Mm. But what what can they do? What reasonable adjustment is there? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was at a conference last year, actually, and they were talking about menopause in the workplace. And I loved it because I had a panel of four and I had two men and two women. And that one of the men was actually leading it and it was actually um, related to the police. And he was saying, you know, I've watched my wife go through this and now I'm very aware of it when I've got ladies on my shift who might be coming into this age group, which I think is great. But I mean, there's a long way to go, isn't there? Before, yeah. you know, there's kind of like you say, what, what's the reasonable adjustment for that? Mm. Police forces are actually quite 
good with menopause mm. and that's partly I don't know if you know talking menopause they're a company who go in and yeah. they started because it, one of the partners of that company was a police officer right and she had to leave because of her menopause symptoms right because of the brain fog you know she yeah. couldn't remember number plates or witness details or anything like that and she felt she had to leave so she then started um this company and they started going to police forces so mm. a lot of them are quite enlightened actually when it comes to menopause which is that's good. good yeah that's great it make, makes yeah. it change for them to be at the forefront of something so that's pretty yeah good. absolutely so we've talked about the symptoms there so where is it that you come in you know what are the kinds of things that you can do how do you do them and you know what are some things that ladies can do and we will put all Hannah's contact details in the show notes so I'm sure you'll want more information after this but yeah just talk us through a bit a little bit about what it is that you actually do. So because I'm treating the whole person and the underlying causes of the symptoms I'm looking at menopause in the context of someone's broader health picture so it's never a question of just take this for your hot flushes or take that for your brain fog we're looking at how that's all come about in the first place so normally I work in programs which are intensive over eight to twelve weeks and we start with a really in-depth first consultation where I ask loads of different questions and I'm just building up a picture of what's going on behind the scenes so that I can choose the right herbs to do the job so if ladies come with you know 30 different things going on at the same time then I would ask her to prioritize where she wants to start with the medicine and I build the prescription around that mm-hmm. the way it works or the way I like to explain that it works is that herbs are intelligent medicines they're made from living things and it has its own intelligence and you are an intelligent being you know if you cut yourself or you break a bone you know how to heal yourself mm-hmm. as provided that you've got the right resources to do it and herbs help to provide the right resources. So if you add an intelligent medicine into an intelligent body, magic literally happens. Okay. And you can get a very quick resolution of symptoms. It's not always quick, but, mm-hmm. you know, it can be. And, you know, you, we're made to go through menopause. We're made to grow from two cells into a human being in nine months. Then we're made to learn to walk and talk and go through puberty and you know have a baby if that's the way life works out for us and we know how to get through menopause but the problem is we're often on a back foot by the time we get to menopause because it is a big ask of the body but we've spent decades putting the kids first or the husband first or the career first and ourselves last Mm -hmm. so we don't have those resources available to get through smoothly and this is why I don't always think that HRT is the magic bullet that we're told it is because Mm. you're missing the point if you're just going to go take drugs or herbs or anything Mm -hmm. and not really fully understand what's going on and do something about that, then it's kind of missing the point, really. So I put the herbal prescription together. It's usually six or seven different herbs into one bottle. And it's very concentrated, so you don't need a great deal. And then you go away and you take your medicine and you start to get better. And then over a period of time, we change your prescription so we can address the other symptoms. And eventually we reach a point where you don't need any herbs anymore because your body's got back into its own natural equilibrium and it can just function normally on its own. So, Oh, that's really interesting. And you may or may not be allowed if you'd like to answer this, but that for me would be like a big difference with HRT, for instance, because you've just got to keep taking the HRT mm-hmm. until you're done kind of thing. Like yeah. that, as in, as in done with the menopause, not done yeah. with your life. Um, Some people do take it till they're done with yeah. their life. My grandma did. 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. Whereas with you, you're, you know, like we said, you're actually treating the root causes and helping your body to remember actually what it can do. And then you combine that with the health coaching. So what's that aspect dealing with? So the reason I introduced health coaching was because I was giving my ladies their herbs and they were taking them, but the herbs weren't really making as much headway as I expected them to. And we figured out it's because these ladies were going home and going to bed really late or stressing about work or having chicken and chips for tea every night. And they didn't have those basics of good health in place. So the herbs were really up against it to a point where they weren't working properly. Mm -hmm. When we brought the health coaching in, it was a complete game changer. And the results were so much better. But not only that, they then had they were back into good habits. They knew what to eat and how to nourish themselves and how to listen to their bodies and, you know, give themselves what they need. And that then helps them for the rest of their life after their herbal treatments finished as well. So mm. it's a, a big game changer bringing in health coaching alongside herbs. Works yeah, and it, it's all around education, isn't it, really, about yeah. what is available. And then, you know, I love that piece because that speaks to, you know, the kind of coaching that I do of like, yeah, yeah. And I think also it goes on that thing. It's not a, right, I'm going to say it's not a quick fix. I know it can work quickly. What I'm saying is it's not an isolation thing. Actually addressing all of the other things just makes it all work so much better. So like you said, you know, don't just come and get the herbs and look for this magic cure. Actually embrace everything else. And I know you're not saying stop eating chicken and chips and cake completely. No. Oh, that all began with a C. Other foods are available that don't begin with C. But it's like, I don't like the word balance, but it's like education again and learning how these things can affect your body. And it's really interesting. It's just reminded me. So some people will know I've been on this four-week shred. And because I got ill with COVID and shingles, I couldn't do the exercise part, but I carried on with the food part and it's very clean eating. And then it ended this weekend. So even though I promised myself I wouldn't, I did kind of overindulge a bit with food because I was like, oh, I haven't been able to have that for four weeks. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Saturday and Sunday night, I had the worst night sleeps that I've had for four weeks. Yeah. And I, when I woke up in the morning on Sunday, I said to my husband, I literally feel like I've poisoned myself, you know, and I think that's kind of what we're saying here. It's like, actually, we have to look at the holistic. That's what mm-hmm. holistic means to me. It's like all the pieces, not just this one piece and looking for some kind of, you know, miracle cure all. It's like, let's look at all of the pieces together and how that can form the whole human really. Yeah, absolutely. And again, coming back into the menopause context, your capacity for what you can get away with in menopause shrinks massively mm-hmm. because your body just goes, no, you're not. I'm not putting up with no sleep. I'm not putting up with junk food. I'm not putting up with you stressing about work. I'm not yeah. putting up with you constantly saying yes to everyone all the time and having no time to yourself. Yeah. Enough which is kind of what most of us need. <laughs> yeah, it's like stood there with a big red sign, isn't it? Like, hey, come on, girlfriend, let's get ourselves together. Now, this stops. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I see menopause as a really positive transition, and I know it can be a bit of a nightmare in terms of symptoms for some women, mm-hmm. but there are usually reasons for that. Yeah. And if you can just understand it a bit better and, you know, pick your way through, listen to your body, because I think menopause symptoms are cries for help. Mm. You know, your body does love you. It does want you to thrive in life. But sometimes it just has to pull you up on a few things and tell you that stuff needs to change. And if you can listen to it and understand it and 
change things accordingly mm. it's it's actually quite a life-affirming experience I think well that's just reminding me actually I think it was one of your posts that you did on LinkedIn maybe last week where I think you started with I'm paraphrasing here something like menopause isn't a terminal diagnosis or, yeah exactly yeah which yeah. I absolutely love because I think since Davina came to town yes there is awareness but also there's a lot of that like oh my gosh this sounds horrendous and like anything people are gonna women are gonna experience a very different range of symptoms from yeah. very light to you know the worst possible mm. and there are things out there other than HRT and I must just say this because I've heard you say this actually you're not saying like you know HRT bad herbal medicine good it's like yeah it's it's about what is right for the person is, yeah. is that yeah absolutely and you can take both if mm. you want to there's no reason why you shouldn't and lots of my patients do so mm. it's very much about personal choice but I'm all for that what I struggle with is this narrative that you know we're all broken we're all useless if we're going through menopause we can't yeah. function as women because we totally can yeah uh, and we need medicating to get ourselves through I think that's a really disempowering yeah attitude to have mm. but I can sort of see reasons why that narrative might be there shall we say yeah and you know we can get through we are capable of doing it but we just need to learn to put ourselves first and that's a, a really big thing for mm. many of us who, who've never really done that before yeah 100 percent. and I think you know it's one of the reasons I really dislike labels because I think we can have a tendency to attach to them mm. and then that is disempowering because it's like I'm like this because of this you know yeah. and that that totally goes against everything that I believe in so I love the fact that we can take control by saying oh actually you know I'm gonna there is an alternative to HRT or I can go and see Hannah and look at the this herbal route it's for me it's all about personal power taking the responsibility and going right something's going on I need to find out about it rather than just limping through it attaching to it and going oh well you know it's just it's just the way it is for the next however many years yeah and it's like no take your responsibility and take back some control by actually doing something about it yeah exactly it's a great big wake-up call mm, brilliant and well I could literally talk about this all day because I told you it's you know <laughs> even though I'm in that bracket of you know menopause I suppose menopausal probably post-menopausal but I don't think I've paid much attention because I didn't really think it applied to me but actually it does because I need to know about these things when I'm dealing with my own clients and mm -hmm. how I can further help them by you know referring them to people like you so you kind of said this at the beginning actually but I wanted to know what what was kind of next for you and where you're going next in your business so now you've had your epiphany of your <laughs> you know super niche let's say what you know what's next what do you plan to do next well it's interesting because I'm going through my own menopause transformation as well that's what menopause is it's kind of when it's like a people describe it as a death and a rebirth if you like mm -hmm. it's when you're repackaging yourself and coming out into the world in a different way so I'm sort of navigating that process in myself and then bringing that into my business but what I've been drawn to do is to help women reconnect with their spiritual selves and that side of menopause and with nature and to really celebrate their crone self their elder self mm -hmm. because we're taught that we're pretty useless actually as we get older aren't we yeah definitely you know, postmenopausal women are 
even the word crone, which is we enter our crone phase. Yeah. Is conjures up images of witches and it does, yeah. Noses and headscarves and yeah, you know, it's very derogatory, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I actually think it should be the complete opposite of that. And I'm trying to look at ways of reaching more women and maybe teaching and running workshops and things like that, but also celebrating menopause. It shouldn't just be something you can get through. It should be something that's celebrated and there should be ritual around it and there should be, you know, more coming together. And we should bring it back to the real essence of what menopause is all about. So... I yes, love that. And you know what that just made me think about? You know, we have like an 18th and a 21st and it's a really big mm-hmm. deal. We should have like, you know, and I know they do special cards, for instance, but maybe, I don't know, 55, 60, 65 should yeah. be the new 18, 21. And you get great big presents from people. We should. Be great. I've been trying to find out what rituals there are in other cultures around menopause and I haven't been able to find any yet. So if anyone does know of any, please do get in touch and let me know because I'd be really interested. But it's such a huge rite of passage. Yeah, definitely. We should mark it somehow. They say life begins at 40, don't they? And I never really got that until... Well, yeah, exactly. And that's obviously where that comes from now, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Right. Well, I'm going to put all of your wonderful details in the show notes. So I know you've got your website. You've got a Facebook Mm -hmm. group, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Brilliant. (laughs) Anyway, you'll find me. I'm going to put all those details in the show notes. Thank you for joining us today. So that's it from me for this episode. Of course, I will be back next week with a brand new episode. Remember, in the meantime, keep those vibes high. Thank you for listening to the High Vibe Tribe podcast with me, Dawn Owen. I'd love to know what your number one takeaway was from this episode. Feel free to screenshot the episode and tag me in on social media. And if you know someone who would enjoy it too, then don't keep it to yourself. Share the vibes. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified as soon as the next episode drops. If you're not already a part of the High Vibe Tribe community over on Facebook, then come and join us there. The link is in the show notes. And I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep those vibes high.